Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going? Rangers are an overall hockey fans. Thank you guys so much for chiming back in to Rangers Review episode 53. We haven't talked in two weeks and we do apologize. That's mainly my doing. Hectic schedule going on was out of town this past week. We're back now. We're ready and excited to talk some Rangers hockey. So to everybody here listening to wherever you get your podcast, thank you guys so much. And for people in the live stream right now, Thank you also so much for being here. And don't worry, we'll be answering your comments, questions, and concerns towards the end of the show. We got a lot of breakdown. Again, a lot has transpired in Rangers land over the past two weeks. So we'll be emphasizing, of course, everything that transpired with them getting into the playoffs. Very excited. We got to get a round of applause. The Rangers are finally in playoffs. That's great. Chris Kreider hitting 50 goals and everything that's transpired in between then. And what is ahead for them with only right around five, six, seven games left on the season. So very excited to get into it. I hope you guys are too. And again, thank you all so much for chiming in. But Steven, how are you doing today, my friend? Long time no see. Yeah, it's been two weeks because we uh, didn't have an opportunity to record last week, of course, due to our conflicting schedules. But uh, yeah, Rangers are in the playoffs. Kreider hit 50. Um, we officially entered Artemi April after Mika Mark. Artemi April. Um, and yeah, Kako is back. Uh, got two goals last night, um, and now we're we're in that in that weird situation where you have to wonder: Do you rest players for the playoffs, or do you push to to maybe you know win that division? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, but also, Andrew Kopp getting another goal yesterday. It was an empty netter, but. Uh, Andrew Kopp now has 13 points in 12 games as a Ranger. Uh, leads all uh, trade acquisitions in the month of March, uh, league-wide. So, uh, yeah, overall, pretty, pretty happy. Georgiev getting a shutout, of course. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to be a Rangers fan the last couple of weeks. And speaking of Georgiev, who would have thought that this man would have won his last six games and has a couple shutouts during them. That's Granted, he crazy. hasn't been deserving of all those wins, and he did really, really well at trying to make the Rangers lose a couple of those mm-hmm. games when they won four straight. Uh, that I believe that was last time that we talked two weeks ago, but he had a really good start yesterday in Philly. So for everybody wondering what we'll be doing today, because of the fact that we missed last week's recording, and that was supposed to be after the Rangers' you know, next three games. So we're going to briefly touch on here like over a minute span three games since the last time we talked, and then we'll be breaking down more thoroughly the past four games for the Rangers overall because during this span now where the Rangers passed seven games, they are 4-2-1. and one. Steven won the prediction from last week, and, you know, how many wins or goals scored. He had the under on the goals, unfortunately, so he stays champ. He's been champ for like a month now. It is what it is. I- I'm not happy about it, but I have to bite the bullet like the man that I am. I know that I can do about it. I mean, I, I'm tempted to fly to Dublin right now and go and try to take it from you. But other than that, there's nothing got, I got going for me. Um, but the be Rangers, better. You just have to be better. That's all. I, I do have to be better. And again, shame on me. But the Rangers, however, during this span now have led up to being 48, 
21 and 6. They have 102 points this season. They are second in the Metro. They have clinched playoffs here. Only one win away from tying the Carolina Hurricanes for the division at the time of recording this. And it really what's going to be a good discussion that we'll break down a little bit here after we go through the uh recap of the past seven games for the Rangers is quite literally what is better for the Rangers? Do you think that the Rangers should stay pat and maybe scratch some more guys, get them rested for playoffs and potentially lose games because of that and have them falling right around second so they can play the Penguins? Or do you want the Rangers to go out and still try to win the division and potentially match up against a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs? So there's definitely pros and cons of both those situations. And again, I'm excited to break that down. Just knowing that we have Rangers playoff hockey back, it hasn't kicked in for me yet. Once that puck drops and MSG or wherever they're going to be, I'm going to be ecstatic. I already got, I have chills thinking about it and I cannot wait to see it transpire uh, for the first time in quite a while. I mean, my entire Ranger fandom from when I first started following the Rangers every day on a day-to-day basis was the 2012 season. And I was, you know, 11, 12 years old at the time. And that's when the Rangers lost, of course, in the conference finals because of Adam Henrique and overtime to the Devils. But I was spoiled to start really my true Rangers fandom seeing years and years of playoff hockey during those 2010s. Since then, I've really missed that playoff hockey, as I know that many of you guys have as well. So to see the Rangers in their first year with Gerard Gallant, committing now to not being a rebuild team, but more so a playoff team pushing to make a run. They are one of the best teams in the NHL and still have potential to win their division. The first time they have now at 100-plus points since AV's second year with the Rangers, where the Rangers unfortunately fell short in conference finals to the Tampa Bay Lightning that year. But yeah, it's been a while, and I'm very excited to see uh, the Blue Shirts back in playoffs. So let's get into it now, Stephen, briefly. Let's touch on uh, three games um, that we were originally supposed to talk about last week. You go over them in just a minute span because, again, it's been a while. I know you guys only care so much. But those games, if I'm not mistaken, were the Islanders, the Flyers, and the Devils, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the game against the Islanders, I mean, you get shut out. That's bad enough. Um, but it was another game against the Islanders where the Rangers just didn't have what it takes to even, you know, to even... They show no life in that one. To even shoot a dent in their defense. Um, Shashurkin gave up three goals on 18 shots. Uh, Varlamov had a 27-save shutout. Uh, what else can we say about it? You know, there, there were there were a bunch of penalties, but Zizekas, Martin, and Barzal got the goals for the Islanders. Congratulations, Islanders. You won your Stanley Cup this season. You beat the Rangers. And, and it, it still is sour in my mouth, don't get me wrong. I was pissed off from the St. Patrick's Day game at MSG where the Rangers lost thanks to a no-call on Palmieri just from go down the ice and score right away. This mm-hmm. game was even worse, though, in my opinion, just in the sense that the Rangers, they just got outplayed. But it was one of those games where you knew that if the Rangers were playing a contending team, they more than likely would have had better results. They've had this kind of Jekyll and Hyde year. Normally, we complain about the Rangers, especially in the first half this year. They couldn't compete well against contending teams. And that was your biggest concern specifically that we talked about pre-trade deadline. But now post-trade deadline, post-All-Star break, the issue hasn't been playoff teams for the most part. It has been non-playoff teams. Yeah, they, the Rangers yeah. just decide to get complacent, sit back, Although, think it's going to be a cakewalk. And then in reality, it isn't a lot of the times. I'd like to make the point that if you take away the standings, the Islanders are a playoff team in every way. In they the are. Way they play, I'm aware. Yeah. The quality they have. Uh, we're just not a good matchup for them. You know, it happens. 
uh, the same way the Penguins are not a good matchup for us, apparently. Yes, and we'll be getting into that shortly. But let's talk about uh, the Rangers-Flyers game quickly, Stephen. Uh, yeah. Their next game that was on the 3rd of mm -hmm. uh, April, and the Rangers lost that one. Uh, but thankfully, they would bounce back yesterday in the matchup between the two. Yeah, um, they conceded the first three goals of the game by, uh, of course, York. Because, you know, rookies will always score against us. Uh, Owen Tippett and Joel Farabee. Um, and then in the third period, uh, when nobody saw it coming, the Rangers came all the way back to tie it. Artemi Panarin, assisted by Truba and Miller, uh, one minute, 22 seconds into the third period, gets us back to 3-1. Then it's Zibanejad, assisted by Vetrano and Lindgren with his 27th. And then with four minutes and 20 seconds to go, Andrew Kopp ties it up, assisted by Panarin. Uh, and then Gudra had the secondary assist. Unfortunately, we lost in a shootout. Uh, Kevin Hayes with the only successful attempt in the shootout. But the Rangers came out flat in this game. And the fact that they got a point out of it, I consider a win. Um, if you would have told me after two periods we're coming away with a point, I would, I would have asked, where do I sign? because this was just not a good game by the Rangers. But you cannot win them all. The fact that they still got a point uh, was crucial in their fight for at least second place in the division. And then the next game, uh, they go to the Prudential Center. Uh, they played the Devils, and they were a real, They played a really good game against the Devils. Um, Sharon Govich got the first goal for the Devils. It was uh, a, a mistake by Truba at the blue line. Uh, but after that, it was all Rangers. Um, and be, and that was in part because of Sharon Govich, what happened right yeah. after his goal. Yeah. Braden yeah, Schneider had... dropped the gloves for the first time as yeah. a Ranger. Looks exactly what you would expect Schneider to look yeah. like in a fighting situation. Absolutely pummeled him. Yeah. Sharon Govich was out for the game, I believe, because of that. And then we saw there was at least one other injury to a devil in this one. I, I'm blanking on who it was, but... The Devils were already scarce with their roster heading into that game because Jack Hughes, unfortunately, would be out for the season because of that, I believe, was a neon knee with Oliver Wallstrom a couple games yeah. prior against the Islanders. So the Rangers were able to take full advantage of a Jack Hughes-less type Devils because, yeah. let's face it, Hughes has had a great year when he's been healthy. And again, Sharon Govich scores, but then he's out for the game or at least out for a while, and the Rangers just don't stop putting mm -hmm. the pressure on. Yeah, it was a really good hit by Schneider in front of the bench on, uh, I think it was Jesper Boakvist. Um, and Sharon Govich uh, took exception to it, skated up to Schneider, started started fighting. Schneider dropped the gloves and then dropped Sharon Govich. That's, that's as, as, as easy as I can make it. And Sharon it was Govich, a clean hit by Schneider too. It was a clean hit. And I love that the refs gave Sharon Govich an instigator penalty. Because they need don't, to do that more. I feel like it's so selective when they make You don't decisions. see that anymore. And if you want to keep hitting in the game, you need to hand out more instigator penalties. Because if you don't, look at what happened to Truba early in the season. Players be, players are afraid to, to dish out a hit because they're worried about being confronted after a clean hit. You need to take a stand against against these retaliations after clean hits instigator penalty i'd even go so far as to say it should be a five minute major instigator because clean hits should not be punished but um yeah that turned things around and uh the rangers go on the power play because of the instigator penalty and Kreider and panarin assist on strom's 16th of the season strom back in the lineup for this game that was a beautiful snipe nice little passing right in front it too. was 
It was, and everyone was looking at Kreider, but Kreider was was moving away from from the front of the net and then passed the tic-tac-toe to Strong. It was beautiful. Kreider did get his goal, though, uh, later in the period, also on the power play, assisted by Panarin again. And Adam Fox this time, that was his 47th. Uh, and then Braun with his first as a Ranger, assisted by Schneider. Schneider had a fight with Sharon Govich, an assist, and he was also involved. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, you know, consider it as a positive. But the other player that got injured, Jimmy Vesey, was oh um, yes, and he got Jimmy hurt Vesey bad. Got it was a weird collision yeah. along the boards, and yeah, he I, I don't know. Schneider. He tried to hit Schneider, and I think his skate got stuck against the boards and and something his, happened his with leg, me his leg made a weird movement so yeah. uh unfortunately if easy didn't finish the game only nine shifts but yeah the rangers uh win that game 3-1 shashurkin uh, wasn't in that it was georgia for this 1.952 save percentage shaped 20 of 21 shots um and then after that the rangers uh of course go back home to Madison Square Garden where they take on the Penguins. Before and... we get to that Penguins game, I would just yeah. like to bring this up real quick because it's important. And that is a very generous donation from young Jimmy on the channel. Thank you so much for the $20 dono. Let's answer his question briefly. And of course, we'll be answering the rest of questions towards the end of the show as long as we have enough time. Steve and I had to go through the no cap has been era of the late 90s, 2000s. Just thank God you didn't have to go through it. Talking to me, I would assume. <laughs> Extremely yeah. happy to hear Kratzov, Drury, and communication, and we'll host him next year. I believe in Krabby. Yeah, I mean, that's a very – I'm glad you brought up Kratzov because I really – I haven't focused on him much. We haven't talked about him much, obviously. Um, he uh, he can, has continued to do well in the KHL, and I'm curious to see what his relationship status with the Rangers is at this point in time. So to kind of pivot quick from this question, again, thank you so much for that, Jimmy in the live stream on YouTube. I really appreciate that. Um, Steven, what's kind of your quick viewpoint on the Krasov situation? Do you think that there's any potential for him to rekindle his career with the Rangers, or do you think it's simply to increase his trade value and then he's, you think he's gone once the right suitor presents itself? I, I think they're going to try and, and find a suitor for him, uh, but the, the best-case scenario for all parties involved is still for him to, to be on the team next season. Now, he won't be waiver eligible, eligible next season, so they cannot just send him down to Hartford without him having to clear waivers. That definitely helps the situation a lot for Kravtsov. Um, the fact that Drury has been in touch with Kravtsov many times throughout the season uh, definitely speaks, speaks volumes to me. They don't want to lose an asset for nothing. So... It's going to be interesting to see what Drury is going to do in the summer. They, they are going to invite him over for camp and they're going to give him a shot to earn a spot on the team. And let's not forget, you know, as good as Frank Vetrano is, we'll get into him because, you know, the Penguins killer did it again. As good as Frank Vetrano is with the big contracts for Fox and Zibanejad kicking in and still having 3.4 million in cap penalties on the books, it's almost impossible for the Rangers to sign Vetrano to an extension, assuming that Andrew Kopp is their number one priority. And assuming that the Rangers are not able to part ways with any other current contracts, which you'd have to imagine they will certainly try to do so this offseason. There is, of course, uh, it's it's. Uh, I would I would say the chance of this happening is extremely small, but 
There is, of course, a scenario out there where they trade Lindgren away, move Miller up to the Fox pairing, put Jones with Truba, and then have a third pairing of Lundqvist Schneider. You would have basically four defensemen on entry-level contracts on the team. That would be that would be something. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though. You know, I don't think they're going to move on from Lindgren just yet. But yeah, too soon. If, if you're going to if you want to keep Vetrano, you're going to have to move salary. And Lindgren is probably one of the easier contracts to move that would reap some rewards in terms of cap space. We, we talk about Hedl and Nemeth, but the net gain you get by trading Hedl and Nemeth combined is only like $2 million. I know. It's it's pennies for what you're it's, looking for if you're really trying to bring everyone it back because, that you acquired at the deadline. Combined, they make $4.8 million. But you're not clearing 4.8 million in cap because yeah. you have to replace those players. Let's say you replace them with entry level contracts. You're only clearing 2.8 to 3 million. That's not enough to sign for Toronto, who's probably going to want close to five. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what, how this affects Kraftsov over the summer, who is probably going to be signed to a very cap friendly deal. Very cap friendly deal. Yeah. No, agreed. It'll be interesting to see how that all transpires, but we still got to focus on the now and talk about Frankie V, who again, as you alluded to, the Penguins killer, Stephen. What exactly did he do again? Uh, Scored again against the Penguins. (laughs) It's unbelievable. This guy, when he plays the Penguins, it's unbelievable. I think he has 13 points in 15 games in his career against the Penguins. I don't know. I don't know what the Penguins did to Frankie V. I don't know. Maybe Frankie V despise the penguins growing up i'm sure he grew up a, a um a bruins fan uh, knowing where he originally is from yeah. um but yeah i don't know what fire lights under his ass where he just like i took that seriously every time he steps on the ice against pittsburgh but every game every single game doesn't matter if he's with florida or the rangers he is not stopping the production you know, against that team i don't know i don't know if you're old enough to remember this but drew stafford every time he played against the rangers yes would be a pain in our asses. And there's a, there's always that one guy yeah. from most teams. And yeah. yeah, Frankie V just falls in that category, respectively, going against the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah, Vetrano scored the first goal for the Rangers 24 seconds into the into the second period. Uh Kreider with an assist. And I th- Kreider in in this in this sequence had a, a three game assist streak, which was I think I know. the second time in his career. Well, you thought uh, fifty uh, scoring fifty goals would be the only thing that would surprise you this season? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. More. He's, he's, he's doing other things too. So, uh, yeah, Kreider and Zabanajad assisting Vetrano. That top line, that new top line, is definitely buzzing. Um, Panarin assisted by Cobb and Truba for the second one, also in the second period and the third period. Dryden Hunt with the empty net goal assisted by Mika Zabanajad. Rangers take care of business in Pittsburgh. Tristan Jari uh, made 21 saves on 23 shots. 0.913 save percentage is not bad. You know, it's not bad for a game you lose of 3 nothing to still have a save percentage over 0.900. Shashorkin, uh, of course, with the shutout. And, uh, yeah, what really stood out to me was what happened after the game. The Penguins refused to leave the ice. And uh, there was some uh, some minor altercations at center ice. The the refs had to had to uh, you know um, had to had to keep the peace. And as the Penguins skated off the ice, Shashorkin was waving them goodbye, and it was hilarious. Well, let's um, let's not let's not that while that was hilarious. Let's not forget what happened 
to a crucial player for the Rangers and Tyler Mott because yeah. of Angelo on the Penguins. If it wasn't yeah. for that schmuck yeah. doing what he did, Mott would still be with the Rangers right now. Now we yeah. don't know exactly when he will return. I, and- I don't think it was intentional, though. I think it was just an unfortunate hit. And uh, Tyler Mott with a shoulder injury is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Hopefully he's back in time for the playoffs. The Rangers because- really need a guy like him for playoffs. Well, I've been raving about Tyler Mott for the last couple of weeks. You know this better than anyone. He's just I doing love, everything. I love the way he plays on a penalty kill. He's a possession player on the penalty kill, and that's exactly. so rare. Kevin that's Hayes so Yep. Yeah, because most players, the moment they get the puck, they dump it in. And Yeah. We, but we Tyler, Mott, Tyler Mott kills, an, kills off an extra 20, 25 seconds by circling back and passing it back to the defense. That's so crucial. So crucial to a good penalty kill. Yeah, and, the Rangers win three nothing, and uh, it was that that's this was a classic. Um, this was a classic four point game, you know, and 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 winning in regulation. I brought it up last time. If I'm going to, if I can choose one one game in a week that I can guarantee to win in regulation, have it be against a team you're competing with for a spot. Have it be against the Penguins. I don't care going to overtime against every other team in the league as long as I beat the Penguins in regulation. And they did. Two things. One, thank you so much for the super sticker $20 donation from Reek and Poppy Pucks. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate that in the live stream. And two, to talk quickly, one, the Rangers have simply been the Penguins' daddy this year. And if you would have told me that would be the case at the end of the season, I would have said you're crazy just because of the fact that normally these are tighter games. Like, not that they haven't been tight games, but still just the fact that the Rangers have edged them out more often than not has been nothing short of fantastic. And two, what I was going to say going back to Mott for a second was that while thankfully, as we see Rooney's back, which is awesome, he, he slots in right away from Mott. The only issue, however, is that while I've liked Rooney's game, Mott just brings so much dimension to that fourth line and that penalty kill that, again, I really do pray that he will be ready to go come playoff time because that is the exact type of player I want in my bottom six during the playoffs more than anything. Regular season, that is that, that does not mean nearly as much to me as that does playoffs with the type of style player that we have here. The Rangers have a similar one in Barkley Goudreau in a lot of ways. You can play him anywhere in the lineup. He'll be productive. Has more offensive promise than someone like Mott. But it's the fact that now you have two gritty guys like that that really can help you in every which way. That's something that benefited a lot for the Tampa Bay Lightning that we saw over the past couple of years. Not to the same extent because, of course, Blake Coleman is a better goal scorer than those two. But point being is that you need that proper balance of your elite scores, your playmakers, and your guys that simply can do it all for you. Those Swiss Army Knights, if you will. And that, I think, is exactly what you get into someone like Tyler Mott. So, again, quick recovery for him. Fingers crossed, praying on it, because the Rangers are definitely going to benefit with having him in the lineup whenever he does, in fact, come back. But... Let's get into the centers game now uh, before we get close to wrapping up on the recaps and talking about, you know, all the big news when making playoffs, Kreider, his goal scoring, how the Rangers have looked over their past five individual performances, and also taking a look ahead on playoffs as a whole and the schedule along with answering questions. But in this game against the centers, what did the Rangers do? The Rangers played exactly how you would hope that they would play against the Ottawa Senators. This was a game where finally we started to see more of a game where the Rangers dominate a team they're supposed to dominate. And while it didn't go in their favor right in the beginning, 
because Austin Watson uh, in the first period scored himself a goal assisted by um, Kastelik and Kelly. Uh, but that's all she wrote for the centers. The Rangers really, really did a great job on keeping a consistent pressure in this one. Artemi Panarin, a uh, halfway through the first period, scored his 21st unassisted. Beautiful goal. And then when you got into the second period, that's where the Rangers just completely poured it on. Andrew Kopp, 17th of the year at that time. Uh, this being, you know, not even halfway through the second period, assisted by Panarin and Miller. Chris Kreider getting his 48th. I know that from last time we talked, you were hoping that Kreider would just get two more points over those next three games. He did a lot more since that time over these past seven games, right? That's his 48th assisted by Lindgren and Zibanejad. And then Ryan Strom, again, continuing the goal scoring, coming back from his injury from the past couple games. 17th of the year assisted by Panarin and Lindgren to make it 4-1. And then we had a third period, and Chris Kreider just keeps scoring. He just won't stop. He's relentless. Even in the latter half of that one of the third period, with only a couple minutes left, Kreider gets his 49th assisted by Vitrano and Braun. And yeah, not much more that you need to say about this one. The Rangers had the goal scoring. They dominated. They had consistent pressure on the centers. And Igor Shosturkin had a very normal Igor game, only giving up one goal on 22 shots. Um, anything that you would like to add on that one, Stephen? Um, no, I mean, uh, clinical win, 5-1. Uh, Kreider getting two goals, happy with that. Panarin, three points, who's making a case to hit 100 despite the disappointing season he's having. Uh, and I don't mean he's bad. I'm just saying that compared to season one and season two, uh, where he was on pace for 113 over 82 games, uh, this season, he's has a little bit of a drop-off for Panarin, but he's still on pace for 100 points, man. That would still be the sixth highest in franchise history. Panarin if is... Not, if we did not have a pandemic, Artemi Panarin would be in the top 10 all-time for points three times in franchise history. It's absurd. And one that more, is crazy. One more thing on Panarin, though. At this rate, and again, I know that we're bouncing, you know, up and down with the topics that we're discussing here, but briefly on Breadman is that if he just has a point per game for the remainder of the season, he at minimum ties his season high. So, and you you know Panarin, he's going to get at least one multi-point game in there. Who knows how big yeah. that game is going to be? Assuming that the Rangers don't bench him for like the remainder of these games, obviously, given playoffs. But yeah, I'd say there's a very good chance Breadman will hit hopefully pass 95 points. And while, yes, when you look at the numbers, it isn't necessarily the pace of, you know, getting to, you know, 100 or 110 points, whatever it may be. But if it wasn't for Panarin, you'd have to wonder how much lack of goals would Kreider have this year because of how crucial his passing has been, not just five on mm -hmm. five, but on that special teams that has been electric for the Rangers all season long. So, yes, he has given away the goals a little bit, but in return, the assists, the primary assists, especially, they are just pumping up the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also plays like uh, like of his 25 power play goals for Kreider. There are power play goals where Panarin is not getting an assist, but it's still crucial to that goal developing. Yep. You know, the play that develops prior to Kreider scoring the goal, Panarin is always involved because he and Fox are running that power play. And the way that he's been operating, he's just been a dangle machine. I mean, yeah. yesterday's game, too, we'll get into it shortly. But, I mean, every single game, I feel like he's just breaking ankles left and right. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's doing a little too much at times because the Rangers aren't burying all those chances. Sometimes uh, he's trying a little bit too much. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit too much of a free skater. In he, looks, he looks like he's messing around a little bit because he knows yeah. where the Rangers are standing. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Well, yeah, uh, they beat the Senators 5-1, and then they move on to the game against the Carolina Hurricanes, which was 
uh, in my in my mind, make or break for the division championship. Um, I'm not saying it's all over now that the Rangers lost to the Hurricanes 4-2, but it's getting tough now. Um, but the Rangers started off great, minute three seconds in, Keandre Miller with his seventh of the season, um, Zibanejad and Vetrano with the assists. Um, Andrei Svechnikov tied it up. Uh, it was it was that was an unlucky goal to give up. Uh, he he, you know he he um, he banked it in off of the off of yeah. and skate from behind the net. Um, and after that, you know the uh, the first and second period, the Rangers played really well against a top team in the league, and I was really impressed that the Rangers were able to to stick with them for forty minutes. Um, and then you go into the third period, and and all you have to do is win one period. But that's when the class and the difference in quality really showed, because the Carolina Hurricanes are just a better team. We might have the better top end players, but overall, the Carolina Hurricanes are just a better team. Seth Jarvis with his 14th of the season, a mid-in, assisted by Aho and Shea, that was and then Stall with his 14th. Uh, regarding Jarvis' yeah. goal, too. He just stood oh, no, right behind us. Yeah, and then Jordan Stahl got a little lucky with the deflection that landed right right on his yeah. stick, assisted by Shea and, and Fast. So, uh, yeah, unfortunate there. Uh, but, yeah, the Rangers tried, but they couldn't get back in. it. you're down 3-1, you pull the goalie, and then the moment we've been waiting for for weeks, it happened. Chris Kreider is a 50-goal scorer in the NHL. There's a line I never thought I'd say. Chris Kreider is a 50-goal scorer in the NHL. Now, I looked this up right after he scored. There's only four other players in NHL history who who recorded their first 50-goal season after the age of 30. Um, The other four never hit 50 again. So we'll see what happens with Kreider, but... One of only five players to record his first 50-goal season after turning 30 is pretty impressive. Uh, John Vucic, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the guy, the, the Boston Bruins legend. Uh, then there's Joe Mullen, Vic Hatfield, and Jean Pronovost, who Kreider now joins as the only five to, uh, to, to do this. He also joins Jager, Graves, and Hatfield as the only Rangers to ever hit 50 points in a season. Um, and he's only one goal away from tying the league-wide record for Ranger draft picks in a single season. Only Rick Middleton in the early 80s had a 51-goal season. So records are going to be broken. Um, Yeah, Kreider scores Cobb and Strom with the assists, and then Aho with the empty net are assisted by Svechnikov and Taravainen. Aho with a three-point game for the Hurricanes was definitely the standout there on the score sheet. For the Rangers, no player had more than one point, so it was yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a, a letdown. But you know, we're we're still in it. We can still win this division. And before we move on to the last game that we played last night, I'm gonna say something that might be a little controversial and people might disagree with. But I care about winning the division because, as much as people probably don't care about the division championship banners, I kind of do. Because first of all, the Rangers don't have that many. And second, if we don't win the Stanley Cup, you would st- if you win the division, you still have a banner to remember this incredible season the Rangers have gone through right now. We're talking about a 
50 goal season for one of her own draft picks for the first time ever because Vic Hatfield wasn't a range of traffic either. We're talking about a season where our goalie is going to win the Vezina. We're talking about a season where Panarin's going to hit 100 points in his worst of his first three seasons as a Ranger. We're going to have a season with four players hitting 70 points. Last time that happened was 1994. Oh, the chills, Stephen, the chills. <laughs> um, the fact that we have deadline day acquisitions that perform the way they do brings back memories of Matto. I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't want to go too far. But look, what, what I'm saying is, if the Rangers win the division, I'm going to be happy that we at least get the Rays a division championship banner into the rafters because we only have a handful of them. We're, we're not like the Montreal Canadiens where where you cannot watch the game from the nosebleeds because there's 50,000 50, banners in the way. And let's keep in mind, it's not like the Rangers are just some late expansion team. They've been around for quite literally just yeah. under 100 years. So mm. the fact that they have had such little amount of you know, divisional success yeah. by winning the division and yeah. playoff success, they don't have nearly as much as what you would hope for to this point overall. It's telling. Playoff. So, um, about playoffs? yeah, what do you mean oh. playoffs? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, we, we got we got play more to discuss here. So let's yeah. briefly touch on last night's game at the time of recording this, because this was a big win for the Rangers, a game that honestly they did not play in any which way for the most part that impressed they didn't them. start out great. No, the, they, the, they, the, they the had a slow over. start and the entire game. They just looked like a team that was gliding on the ice against a Flyers team that had some young, promising players, and Bobby Brink being the most notable rookie for them, just won the championship for them in college for Denver over the weekend already with the team and getting some action, along with others. Flyers, those schmucks a couple days ago, of course, ended Keith Yandel's Ironman streak just because of the stats of the club. That will never not piss me off because of the fact that you just did it for the sake of doing it, just having the lineup afterwards. I don't condone that. I'm sorry, Keith. Um, but no less, the Rangers, again, slow start in this one. But Capo Caco has his best game, one of his best games of the season, and best game, of course, back from his injury. He scored first in the first period, assisted by Goodrow and Miller. That was Caco's sixth of the season, a nice snipe right down the slot there in the offensive zone. Then the second period, Philip Heedle makes a beautiful pass right around behind the net to set up a right there in front stick on ice and Capo Caco to give the Rangers a two, nothing lead. That was Caco's seventh uh, goal assisted by Heedle. Again, really liked what I saw between those two Heedle back in the lineup. Of course, Laffy was out being a healthy scratch. They're saying because of playoff reasons, regardless of the Rangers, it, they didn't need Laffy in this game. I, I don't think it changed much, but Capo and that Heedle connection really looked well, which definitely put a smile on my face. Artemi Panera got a beautiful backdoor pass that he won T that squeaked through on the left side. Um, uh, in the second period, his 22nd of the year, assisted by Truba, and that was Truba's 26th after. Can I quickly chime in before we move on to the last goal? Yes. Because it's Artemi, it's, it's Artemi April now. The Rangers tweeted that out after the goal last night. Since entering the league in 2015, no player has more points in the month of April than Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin has 58 the second most points in that span in the month of April is Connor McDavid with 48. Wow. And then Barkov and Matthews are tied for third with 43. I think what's most impressive about that for Panarin's sake is the fact that he's always ending the season strong. 
regardless mm. of result. Granted, he's had his playoff he's had his playoff runs, not much, but yeah, it's still very impressive for Breadman yeah. per usual. Um, and then the third period for the Rangers in this game. Um, it wasn't a fancy goal, it was an empty netter, but it continued a stat pad for Andrew Kopp leading the league still, yes, and points being an acquisition at the traded line, his 18th of the year, assisted by Gudro and Truba, and the Rangers won that one. That was a shorthand goal, by the way, too. Um, and the Rangers won this one in total for nothing. Just again, a game that wasn't pretty for the Rangers at all. Uh, Adam Fox, I didn't like his game. I thought Fox had some costly turnovers earlier uh, in the in the game too. That thankfully he got bailed out because Georgiev Georgiev had a good game. Didn't face too many shots, but again, twenty eight out twenty eight. That's still very very good. Happy yeah. for Georgiev again. Another shutout. Um, he's now won six straight. And the Rangers at that point, of course, at the time of talking right now are two points behind the Canes for first in the Metro. So before we get into anything further, I just did want to briefly touch on how the Rangers' individual performances, if you do those totals over the past five games, how important that they have been. And that has all been headlined, of course, by, yes, Artemi April and Artemi Panarin. Panarin has seven points in his past five games, including three goals, four assists. He has 89 points on the season and very well may get to his career high, if not hit a new career high by the time the season ends. He's only six points away from tying that one, uh, six or seven at least. Then Mika Zibanejad. Mika had four apples over these past five games, 75 points on the season, a very strong year for Mika, just a very balanced year is what we've seen from him. Chris Kreider, six points in his past five games, per usual, four goals, two assists, 71 points, career highs on all fronts. I mean, need I say more? Andrew Kopp, five points over his past five, two goals, three assists. Frank Vitrano, who doesn't necessarily have endless points over the past five, but does have 10 points in his first 15 games of the season with the Rangers and his fourth out of all acquisitions at the traded line in the NHL. So, yeah, looking great. PK for the Rangers is ninth in the league at 82%. Power play is 25.5, which is five, uh, fifth percent. Rangers power play and PK has been strongholds for them all year long, and it continues to this point. Mm-hmm. Even with things dying down a bit, because the Rangers haven't had nearly the amount of power plays the first half of the season as they have had second half, as we've talked extensively on how teams are changing their approach against the Rangers, knowing how lethal that they are with special yeah. teams. So now, can Steven, I, yeah, can I add one thing up, about man. Andrew Kopp, please? Please. Andrew Kopp has recorded a point in every game as a Ranger except the one where we were shut out. That's damn impressive. <laughs> He's played 12 games. He had points in 11. The only game where he didn't get a point was the 3-0 loss to the Islanders. Every game the Rangers get at least a goal, He's involved. He's on the score sheet. So it sounds like me being so adamant about wanting Andrew Kopp prior to the Rangers acquiring him wasn't such a bad idea after all. So I'm no, glad. And, and you know, uh, I, I updated my chart today of my table today with production by, uh, by trade acquisitions in the month of March. Um, points for their new teams among players traded since March 1st. Andrew Kopp, 13 points. Then Matthew Joseph and Claude Giroux with 12. Frank Vetrano and Ricard Raquel tied for fourth with 10. Uh, then Dadonov with nine, because technically he was traded. But no, I, just, <laughs> I keep that in there as a joke, and people always go, Dadonov wasn't traded. But uh, Letty, Nick Letty, Nick Paul, and Taylor Radish with seven points. Giordano and Sherrod with five as defensemen. Not bad. Sunquist, Lindholm, and Domi, and Tyson Yost with four. And then Sprong, Tippett, and Brandon Hagel with three. 
So out of the top five players, Cop and Vetrano are both in there. The Rangers have really struck gold at the deadline. And you know the most beautiful thing about it, Tyler? What? They didn't give up first-round picks or top prospects for it. Yes. That is what we would like to call a Chris Drury masterclass of a trade deadline. Talk about making up for a poor offseason in certain ways. Quite literally one trade more than anything else. I love the fact that Drury was able to realize what exactly the Rangers needed and what was the best route for them in order to acquire the players that were best for this team. Perfect evaluation. If the Rangers go anywhere this year, it'll be because of guys directly like Cop, like Vitrano, and potentially Mod as well, depending on when he gets back. All those guys have had tremendous impacts for the Rangers. Awfully reminiscent, too, of, of course, the Rangers trade for Derek Broussard, John Moore, Derek Dorsett back in the uh, 2010s. So, yeah, very interesting. Very happy, though, with what the Rangers and Drury has done. Also, the fact that the Rangers shut out the Flyers and beat them 4-0 on the second of a back-to-back where they had to travel – Impressive. And they didn't even they didn't even look good. They 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 quite literally did not look good outside of Kako and Heedle, in my opinion. And they played a team that I fully expected to to try and get revenge because they conceded nine goals in their prior game. Yep. Two nights two nights before that. They lost to the Capitals nine two. Usually what you see with the when you play a team coming off a nine goal defeat is that you know they play harder. They but that was a sequence in the third period where we went 11 minutes without a whistle. I know. That was bizarre. Teams, did, The Rangers were happy because they weren't going to risk injuries. The Flyers were like, yeah, whatever. You know, we'll go, we'll go for high traffic. It's fine. Um, it was an easy win, which I did not expect, to be honest. So, yeah, I did, I'm happy. I did not expect that to be an easy win either. I, no. I mean, rightfully so from what we've seen all season long. Yeah. But – before we talk, you know, because I really want to break down again um, quickly on Kreider and then playoffs for what's next. If you look at here, the statistic, it was on a graphic I just saw prior to the Flyers game yesterday. So keep in mind, this is one game off. So I don't know how exactly if the numbers are the same, a little bit different. No less pre-deadline for the Rangers for time defending in defensive zone. They were five minutes and 56 seconds pre-deadline. I was 19th in the league. Now, since then, post-trade deadline, they are 4.4 minute, uh, 4.45, which is third best in the league. Uh, slot passes against uh, 12.9, which was 22nd. Uh, pre-trade deadline, post-trade deadline, 8.9, which is first in the league. Slot shots against 21st in the league at 12.8. Pre-deadline, post-deadline, 8.9 as well, first in the league. Cycle chances against 7.8, which was uh, 26th. Uh, Pre-deadline, post-deadline, 3.9, first in the league. I think you're getting the trend here. And expected goals against 24th at 2.69. Post-deadline, 2.16, fifth best in the league. So you can clearly tell outside of the individual performances that we have seen that as a whole, this team is just so much more balanced. They have the depth. And once Mott is back as well and everything is truly clicking, I mean, the Rangers are really good. The Rangers may very well surprise people. It may surprise people like Steven and I come playoff time too, depending on everything that transpires. But at, yeah. at this rate, it wouldn't be outlandish with which with how much their second half has mm. improved the team hey, on a balance front. Before the deadline, I really wasn't very hopeful for our chances in the playoffs. 
because we had massive holes and and the graph that you are referring to proves that and i've mentioned this several times the rangers ranked 23rd in the league in five on five goal scoring prior to the deadline so there were some massive holes they were carried by elite goaltending they were carried by an elite power play now they are a much more balanced team that can score at even strength and just to put things into perspective about Kreider's 50 goal season, I went over the top 10 goal scorers in Rangers history single season, and I looked at the number of goals the Rangers scored those seasons to see how much they contribute to, to, the, to the team's goals. Kreider has scored 22% of our, of our goals this season, 22%. Jager in 05-06 was at 21.6%. But then you look at Adam Graves, who had 52 in 93-94, only 17.3% of the team's goals came from Adam Graves. Puts wow. things into perspective a little bit more about Kreider. It does. Kreider's it really season, does. Kreider's season, in my opinion, is more impressive than Adam Graves in 93-94. Also, because let's not forget, that team had six Hall of Famers on it. Now, here's one thing. Obviously, in saying what you just said, this isn't a slight on Gravy at all. We're just no, simply no. discussing this because of the fact that Kreider is having such a Adam Graves-like season. It's actually yeah. absurd how similar they are. But still, mm -hmm. when you look at the advanced numbers a little bit, as you just broke down, it does make it all that more impressive that with Kreider doing mm -hmm. what he's doing when he doesn't oh, have oh, the same higher. type of elite talent like he did, uh, yeah. that being in Bra Graves at least in 94. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scoring was higher in 93-94. And if we if we go even further back to Vic Hatfield, who had 50 goals, exactly the same amount as Chris Kreider, in 71-72, those 50 goals only accounted for 15.8% of the team's goals. So Kreider is doing it when the team is not scoring at the same rate as those other seasons, which makes it all the more impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Here, before we go forward, uh, we do have another donation. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for the $2 dono. He says, Cop centering Kane and Panarin 2022-2023. Kane ain't coming to the Rangers, okay? Yeah. I, 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 we, need, we need to stop that. I, I, I get it. Trust me when I say that I perfectly understand us fans wanting an elite player. But Kane, I'd, love, I'd love to see Kane on the Rangers, but financially it just doesn't make sense financially doesn't make sense and honestly at this point in Kane's career where the Rangers are right now does it make all that much sense and again I will sound like a hypocrite because I promise you if the Rangers acquire acquire Kane and make it work without giving up guys that I want to stay on this team then by all means you know I'm for it like let's make it happen but there there's so many obstacles in the way and I just I don't see it uh, again we I, I've been wanting Patrick Kane as a New York Ranger in the past decade. Okay, my infatuation with him hasn't changed. However, what also hasn't changed is the financial impact, the repercussions right away. And for Rangers team, that again has to be paying up over these next couple of years. More of these ELCs expiring, they have to worry about the guys that they have that are hitting the market this offseason as is, with all of them for the most part being productive and then some. So those are the things we need to be looking at. Again, I trust me. Oh, I get, I get it. Who doesn't like Patrick Kane? Unless, of course, you're a Blackhawks against the Blackhawks or, you know, a team of the division, a fan of them. But no less, I appreciate that donation. So before we get on to answering some comments, I did want us to talk about briefly, Stephen, a couple things. The main thing, however, being about playoffs. So the Rangers now are officially in playoffs. And as I mentioned 
in the beginning of the episode is how are they going to go about playoffs? What is best for them? Because as things stand, we're a game behind first place, tied for first place, even though that the Canes probably have an upper edge uh, because they beat in the Rangers more often than not this season. Um, so do you think it's in the best interest of the Rangers to play the Toronto Maple Leafs, assuming that they win the division, or the Penguins? Because in my opinion, I understand both sides. If you want to bank on your in-season success, why wouldn't you want to match up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Problem, however, is we don't know if that in-season success will mean that success in playoffs against a Penguins team that knows damn well how to win it all. Yes, they haven't done it in a couple of years now, and yes, that core group outside of Malkin and Crosby and Genzel aren't necessarily the same, but they still have the weapons. They still have the coach, the former Ranger and Sullivan, to make it happen versus a Toronto team that can't stop getting out of their own way when it matters most these how many years in the first round that narrative has continued. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you prefer? Because for me, I'm okay. If the Rangers go up against the Penguins, I'm excited for that series. I think it'll be a tight one and Toronto. I'm excited for that too. Cause we haven't seen that much. I don't remember the last time the two have matched up in playoffs if at all. And secondly, Toronto, if you look at their matchups this year, they haven't had obviously the same schedule as a team like the Rangers have. In the States, Matthews, who's having a heart-type season, rightfully so, so happy for him. He's doing a tremendous tremendous job. Is he going to be able to transition that over against a Rangers team come playoff time with Igor Shosturkin in that? So pros and cons, I'm kind of neutral either way, but I, I am a little bit on your side in the sense of I do want the Rangers to win the division because why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want them to win the division? So my, my thing is more that I – don't really value regular season performance against a specific team when it comes to playoff matchups. And a prime example of that is the Rangers against the Hurricanes in 2019, 2020, where we swept them in the regular season and they swept us in the qualifying round. Um, Other examples, uh, the Capitals lost to the Lightning in 2017, 18, but then beat them in the conference finals. The Canadians beat the Bruins four out of six games in the regular season in 2010-2011, but then lost to the Bruins in the first round. We beat the Penguins three times in the regular season in 2015-2016, and they beat us in five games in the first round on their way to their Stanley Cup. Uh, The Senators beat the Penguins the following year in the regular season, but then lost to the Penguins in the conference finals. Regular season performance, regular season results against a specific opponent do not guarantee success in the postseason. I want to win the division because I want to guarantee my team home ice advantage in not just the first round, but also the second round if we make it that far. That's a good point. Also, I would love to beat the Maple Leafs in round one because the Bruins have done it like a a bazillion times. Uh, Funny story, by the way. Uh, speaking of the Maple Leafs, this year in the draft, the Maple Leafs can draft players that weren't alive the last time they won a playoff series. Because they oh, last won wow. a playoff series in 2004. Yep. And there are draft eligible kids who were born after that. You would you would know that. <laughs> so <laughs> look, I don't care who we play. I just want to get I just want to get the best possible position in the regular season. Now, if you're asking me, should we rest players or should we go for it? Depends on the player. I'm perfectly fine with giving Adam Fox a game or two uh, to rest up. 
if we look at our schedule, uh, the games we have left, we play the Red Wings, the Jets, the Islanders, the Bruins, the Hurricanes, Canadians, and Capitals. I think those last two games after the Hurricanes game, we play home against the Hurricanes, the Canadians, and the Capitals. I I think we're going to rest some players there because by then the, the playoff seeding will be will be final. Um, if we cannot get caught by the Penguins, if we if we cannot pass the Hurricanes, those last two games we're going to see some call ups from Hartford. Uh, we might see Brennan Othman get a game or two. That's interesting. And before we pivot to Othman, because I know that you want to talk about him briefly for a quick pros- uh, prospect report, I did want to say regarding playoffs. Here's a here's a very good point too. What is better for the Rangers to either have their guys be, you know, sitting, being healthy scratched so they can be, you know, kind of rejuvenized for playoff time and hopefully get the best out of them. Or mm-hmm. two, having all the guys playing full steam ahead with momentum heading yeah. into the playoffs. That is because- a really, that's a really good point, too, because the Lightning a couple of years ago. Exactly. Exactly. Took their foot off the gas and then got swept by the Blue Jackets. And the Artemi Panarin Blue Jackets, no less. So mm-hmm. that was a prime example. But we've seen that year after year. There is always that risk of say you crack playoffs pretty fairly early with a good amount of games left in the season. Then you do line up and you have other guys come in the lineup that normally aren't playing and you let your vets and your, your, your normal stars sit. That's all well and good to make sure that they stay healthy. But again, naturally when you're a hockey player, you're in a routine for an 82 game season. You're now just going to abruptly break that routine for potentially, you know, upwards of a week's end, depending on how much you're not going to play. And then you're going into the most intense start of a playoff that you could imagine. So that's a lot. And naturally, these players are accustomed to it. Many teams combat it without a problem. But there is still that risk versus, say, going up against a hungry playoff team that maybe that playoff team just stuck in the playoffs. Again, that won't be the case for the Rangers based on their first-round matchup. But depending on others, like we've seen so many teams over the years have tremendous second halves, just crack the wild card, and they go out and make a massive upset because they were full steam ahead. They never, they had, they had foot on the gas, and they never they, stopped. They had to win to get in. They had to play every game to win. They played they every both. game like it was their last, and, and that's what you don't team, have. Yeah, they go up against a team that that had some, you know, some minor leaguers playing because you know we're resting this player and that player. That's what that's what worries me more than whoever we're playing. I agree, and, and that's um, what's going to be very interesting to see how Gallant yeah. goes about this over these next. But yeah, games. a quick prospect update on Brandon Othman. Uh, yeah, the kid's on fire. Uh, he broke the franchise record for goals and points the last couple of weeks. He now has forty-six goals, forty-seven assists, for ninety-three points in sixty-four games. Wow, <laughs> that's it. Trust me when I say that I, I'm so happy that the Rangers acquired Offman after originally being slightly upset that the Rangers did not get a center in that position or mm-hmm. trade that pick. So yep. far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. And, you know, if you look at Will Cooley, who's also in that league, of course, he's having a really good season. Um, uh, Ryder Korzak, who's in the WHL, is having a really good season for them. Uh, Korzak plays with the Moose Jaw Warriors. He has 77 points in 66 games. Awesome. Not as impressive as Offman, but he was a third-round pick. So if a third-round pick is over a point per game in, in juniors in his in his first year after being drafted, 
uh, I'll take it. It certainly beats him not being a point-per-game player. Correct. Um, Will Cooley, 43 goals, 37 assists for 80 points in 58 games. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with these kids because the World Juniors is going to be played over the summer, remember? Yep, that's and, a good point. Yeah, that's um, true. We'll see if, if Othman is actually getting an invitation this time because they – they can select players that weren't there, that weren't on the team in December. It's going to be like a, a new roster. So mm. we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, super happy with what Othman has been doing. And Othman, Korzak, and Cooley have really stood out to me in juniors this year. Together with Berard, those are our big four. And that's good because there's a part of me that feels like that at least two of those four are really going to become instrumental for the Rangers over these next five years, um, yeah. whether that is because they are utilized, say, via trade for something and bigger or because of them coming into the Rangers lineup and actually just adding further depth, having the Rangers in more of a rotation of where they can sacrifice, maybe mm -hmm. partying with some vets because they know what they're getting in their young studs. And it just it's it's a cycle, right? The best teams in the league are the ones that are able to year after year go through a long window of having a certain amount of playoff success but also having a good balance of some guys on ELCs. The Rangers want to have, say, you know, a very good next decade. They're need, they're going to need to bank on some strong drafting. And those guys, again, that are hopefully stepping up and either can be trade chips or guys that, again, can be utilizing your bottom six and make quite the impact right away. Just throw them in there. It's, Tampa is always the stereotypical team, but the, there's a reason for it. They're just a club that year after year over the past decade easily they have always been a force to be reckoned with. And it doesn't matter who goes in that lineup. They're always making some type of impact. And they know what their role is more than anything, too. There isn't much questioning, it feels like, when you are, in fact, a Tampa Bay Lightning and what exactly your impact is supposed to be for that team in trying to win a championship. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But it's it's. I said this in a previous recording uh, for us. It's amazing how we made the seamless transition from our best prospects being defensemen in Schneider, Lundqvist, Jones, Robertson last season to now our best prospects being forwards in Othman, Korzak, Cooley, and Berard. Granted, I still view most of those defensemen as prospects because they've only yeah, had a cup of coffee. I know they're not technically it. I understand. Me, I'm just telling you my prospects. thought process. They're still prospects, but for me – the cutoff is the once they get to New York or Hartford, I consider them signed. I know Othman and Cooley are signed, but if they are in New York or Hartford, I don't consider them in the same group of prospects anymore. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. If they so, still play in Europe, college or juniors, that's a different stage of their of their development. We do have another donation here in the chat from Kurt. Thank you so much for the five dollar donation. I appreciate that, Kurt. Thank you so much. Shout out to everybody in the live stream too. If you guys are listening, watching, wherever you get your podcast, especially here on YouTube, if you're watching live, thank you all so much for being here. I see Darren is a great supporter of mine, the biggest Mets, and he's also becoming a Rangers fan too that lives in the UK. So we got people from all over the place. Love to see that. Shout out to Brody and UK, all you other guys. My time zone. What's that? UK is my time zone. Yes, exactly. And Dar Darren stays up till like, three, four in the morning all the time, just watching my baseball coverage. He's an absolute beauty. You okay. got to appreciate the support, but let's get into some questions now before we look at the upcoming schedule and wrap things up. This being episode 53 
that's going to be interesting. Want to look at the Jersey potential there too, for the Rangers and their history um, upcoming schedule. No, not there yet. We'll do Q and a time. So for, I'd say between five and 10 minutes, guys, we're going to answer some of your questions. If you have any for people that have been in the live stream, if you want to get some answers questioned live, just make sure one, you're subscribed to the Rangers review YouTube channel. Make sure to check us out and two have those notifications on. So that way, you know, when we do these pods, because unfortunately we haven't been as consistent as we would like to be given our normal schedules. But more often than not, we do try our best to give you guys at least a couple hours notice before we end up doing these shows. That way you guys can jump in here um, the best that you can, and that way we can answer your questions. But Rekin, with another $5 donation, thank you so much for that too. Really, really appreciate everyone's support today here in the show. Um, let's see, always here for the coverage. Love to see that. How's it going, Watermelon? Um, let's see. Uh, just what's up, Brody? Too hope you're doing well. So I did see some comments earlier, so I'm going to go up here in the chat real quick. Um, let's see. Master says, what do you guys agree that Gallant should have guys like Kreider, Panarin, Zib, Fox, Lindgren, Truba all rest at least one game before playoffs, especially Fox and Panarin? I mean, at least one game. I don't see how that hurts. I think, I think we have a different discussion, obviously, if you're talking about missing maybe like the final four games or something, where maybe you're I going think, off. I think, goal. I think it depends on what the players want, of course. Yeah. I don't think Kreider's going to sit a game. <laughs> I don't think Kreider's going to sit a game either, to be honest with you, unless the Rangers think, really I, want him to. If Galand walks up to Kreider right now and goes, "Hey, do you want to do you want to do you want to relax and just set out a game?" He's going to look at him and he goes, "Who do you think you're talking to? I'm going to go for 55." You know, yeah. <laughs> he, he has he has he has a goal. Look, if Kreider was at 41 goals, where it's like a different conversation, but he is legitimately in reach of tying Yager's franchise record. Of course, he wants it. He's not gonna. He's not gonna sit a game. Uh, Fox. Yeah, uh, I'd be okay with sitting Fox, but before doing that, I would shake up those pairings. Miller, Fox, Lindgren, Truba. Give me that for a couple of games. Uh, see, see if that maybe reinvigorates the um, uh, the defense a little bit by, by some of those some of those guys. As long as, um, as long as it's not completely throwing off everybody's game before playoffs, yeah. I'm I'm in favor of it. Uh, Panarin, I don't think Panarin is going to sit. You know, he didn't he didn't play all he didn't play every game this season because he had a little bit of an injury early on. And Zabanajad, I don't know. Um, I think the players that are going to sit are going to be the players that play with a little bit of an edge, like Goudreau, uh, Reeves, of course. Um, and on defense, yeah, I think that third pairing, you're going to see some rotations when Nemeth is back. But, yeah, I, I don't see Kreider sitting. Maybe Zibanejad or maybe Zibanejad and, and Fox. Zibanejad and Fox would be my first choices to, to sit for a game. Watermelon here says, what is the most realistic scenario for the Rangers in playoffs? There is no true realistic scenario. We can't, like, I, you're just, this is just our opinions, obviously. Um, for me, I think the most realistic scenario for the Mets, I'm not the Mets, see the Rangers. I'm always back and forth. I got, got Mets coverage right after this too, um, for people wondering. But for the Rangers at least, I think the most realistic scenario is that they will battle and have a very good first round. Regardless on if they win or lose, I don't see a world where the Rangers go into the first round of playoffs and get completely dominated, outplayed, however you'd like to call it. I think it's going to be a grind. I don't think it's necessarily going to be easy round. And I'm not guaranteeing that they are going to win the first round, but I do feel strong that it's going to be a good one and it won't be for a lack of effort. It won't be utter domination like what we saw against Carolina in the bubble, for instance. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, I just want them to play seven games. I said that at the start of the season. If they play seven games, it means they reach the second round or they get a seven uh, game seven exit. With the players we added at the deadline, I'm confident we have a good shot at making the second round. But the second round is going to be tricky. If you don't have home ice advantage, it's going to be a really, really tough task. It is. But again, that's so, a good problem to have. Should we get of there? Of course, of course. And also, let's not forget, um, we should we should just be happy that we're in the playoffs. And if we make it to the second round, that is a great result. Um, that, that is that is a great result for your first year. No team, no team in NHL history has ever won a cup after missing the playoffs at least two years in a row. We missed the playoffs four years in a row. Yeah. The they, last they, time would, they would the really have to do some magical things. This the last time we made the playoffs, I still lived in the Netherlands. I moved countries twice since the last time. <laughs> Steven's been all over the place since the last time the Rangers were in playoffs. You kidding? I relocated for two different jobs since the Rangers were last in the playoffs. <laughs> a lot, a lot has changed for me too since the last yeah. time the Rangers were in playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I can, I can assure you right now. I never would have thought I'd be sitting here talking to you right now. The last time the Rangers um had know, playoffs, right? so it's exactly crazy how things have changed. So yes. Uh, Damon, what a good comment. I have a question for Steven. How do we get permission to talk to you um, uh, during your Twitter spaces after games? So that's a very easy – If I mean, I know how to do it. I know that you do too. Um, well, yeah, so the thing is I think the problem here, and I had this problem early on, if you use Twitter on your desktop, it doesn't allow you to join with a microphone. You can only listen. Oh, okay. You have that's to probably a mobile issue. device to actually request if you if you enter a space on a mobile device on the left bottom corner there's a little microphone icon where you yep. can request uh, to speak but it doesn't work on the desktop version of Twitter. Yeah, I'm assuming that's probably what the issue is having. So yeah. there you go. Hope that answer your question. We're going to answer a couple more before we wrap things up, folks. So David, shout out to you, David. Hope you were doing well, my friend. We lost the Ben Myers sweepstakes. Big deal? No, not at all. The Rangers got a really nice forward that we saw, of course, recently. The Ranger, diehard Ranger fan, grew up a Ranger fan, too, um, from uh, UMass. Um, so thankfully, the Rangers landed him. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. But, Sue, yeah. Ben Myers, did Myers go to Minnesota? Is that what happened? Colorado. Oh, okay. That's a little bit of a surprise. I the thought thing that is, the thing was is gonna... Colorado cannot afford to keep Kadri. So there's there's a hole to fill there. That's that's a good point. So and the yeah, Rangers no. just add, the Rangers just add a cop and they already have Sabanajet and Hedl. So I cannot really blame Ben Myers for not coming to the Rangers. Yeah, I can't blame Ben Myers. I never saw anything to insinuate that the Rangers were in on Myers where there was they probably were. um the type of player, the type of undrafted free agent that Ben Myers is, all 32 teams at least had a conversation with him or his agent. Yeah, and it was Guaranteed. probably just based on best fit. And I'm sure Guaranteed. that they did look yeah. at Kadri's status in mm -hmm. Colorado as like, yeah. okay, so you're telling me I have a chance to slot in this lineup like full-time next year? Yeah. Do you do you remember Jonathan Marcheseau playing for the Connecticut Will? Yeah. And then the Rangers offered him an entry-level contract because he was playing in, in Hartford on an AHL deal. They offered him an ELC, and he turned it down because this was 2014. He didn't see an opening on the team. He then signed, I think, with the Columbus Blue Jackets because he felt yes. he had a better shot there to make the team. Uh, and then bounced around. He went to Tampa, then Florida, and now he's, he's a, he's a first-line player in Vegas. 
um, players often go where they think they have the best shot. And Ben Myers going to Colorado makes sense if you look at the cap situation and they won't be able to keep Nazem Kadri. Whereas the Rangers added Andrew Cobb and they're, they're going to keep either Cobb or Strom. I think it's going to be Cobb. But if you have Zibanejad, Cobb and Heedle, where's Ben Myers going to play? Yeah. Uh, that said, I would have loved Ben Myers. I think he's 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 a great undrafted free agent from college, but I'm not gonna lose sleep over over not not getting him. Um, let's see. Two more questions we'll get to. What's the possibility of calling up Bobby Trevino and sending uh, down McKeg? I don't expect it to happen just because Trevino is so new in the organization. I don't know how he has looked so far in Hartford. I have not followed along on a day-to-day basis on that front, but um, I, I don't see that happening. Um, we'll see how Trevino looks come, you know, preseason camp throughout the summer and go from there. Um, yeah, I think I don't expect much to change. If the only way I could really see some Hartford guys coming up this late in the season is solely if the Rangers really do a lot of scratches. Um, well, there's, that- there's two reasons why I can give you a conclusive answer on this. Okay. Um, first of all, Bobby Trevino is not on the contract with the Rangers yet. His contract starts for next season. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. He's Perfect. playing for the Hartford Wolfpack on an amateur tryout for the remainder of their season. Gotcha. So that's the first part of the question. Sending down McKeck, there's no reason to because after the trade deadline, there is no roster limit. So there's no reason to send McKeck down. Fair. Yeah. So that's that's probably the easiest question I'll answer today. There you go. Love to see it. You made you made me look look silly. And that means that the pod is going as expected. Chris <laughs> with the final comment says, Are you guys as pissed off as me when Gallant did not put uh power oh, two on the five on three? Yeah. Yet? Yes, I was, that talk, was a I joke. was talking yesterday to someone on Twitter. Uh, what do what do Menti Teo's girlfriend, the Loch Ness monster, and the Rangers second power play unit have in common? What? People have talked about it and claimed they exist, but nobody's ever seen them. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but listen, if you have a five on three for one minute and fifty five seconds, I would play the top unit, but. Yeah, I, I, no, let's put it this way. I understand playing the top unit. Personally, I would start the second unit. After after that Kevin Hayes penalty, I would start the second unit to tire out their first PK unit. Yeah, no, that's smart. I, w- I would have liked to see, see the second unit in general just because, because why not? Because if you sent the second unit out there for the first 30, 35 seconds, they clear the puck. Now you give your opponent a choice. Do you put your second unit out there against our top unit? Or do you keep your first unit out there, even though they've been on the ice for 35 seconds already? So your top unit then goes out either against their second unit or your top unit goes out against their first unit that's already a little bit tired. And I don't think Galand uses the second power play unit to his advantage that way. Sometimes it's best to start the power play with your second unit. It'll be interesting to see if anything at all changes come playoff time. I don't expect it to. He's obviously going to be reliant on his big. If it works, if it works, it works. If our power play goes cold, you're going to see changes. But yeah. as long as the, as long as the power play is converting, there's no reason to change it up. The only thing I would do, like I said, is I would start the second unit sometimes. 
especially if you draw a penalty with your first unit guys already on the ice. Um, and Alexandra Burroughs in Montreal actually mentioned this a season or two ago when the Canadians had a really good second power play unit. And they asked him about it. And he said, well, we don't treat them as the second unit. We sometimes put them out there, you know, yeah. at the start of the power play. It just depends on which players are the freshest. And that is, a, that is an interesting approach for the power play. Uh, but like I said, at the same time, I cannot blame a coach for playing at the top power play unit that's like second in the league. Yeah. No, I mean, so. the Rangers power play has been a huge X factor for them all season long. We're not yeah. griping, you know, by any stretch on the power play front. But at this point in the season, I would not mind that second unit gain more. I, I'd love to see Pop instead of Strom on that on that right side. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Especially because you get that you get that lefty one T potential. You know, that's but important. Again, second power play unit in the league. Can you really blame Gallant for sticking with it? No, no, no you can't. Um, but okay, let's get into the upcoming schedule for the Rangers. Uh, they next time we talk, Stephen, I would imagine we're probably not going to record again until potentially Friday of next week, which will be after three games for the Rangers. So okay. at, at minimum, uh, the Rangers will play three games before we record our next. So pod. since I won, I have to predict first again, right? Like the last yeah. four weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like the last four weeks. Yes, make sure that you slip that in there. Don't forget now. <laughs> All right, so we have the Red Wings at home, the Jets at home, and then the Islanders away. Oh my god! And you write it down this time because I'm gonna lose the page. Yeah, I'll write it down. Uh, So I'm gonna go. Man, I would love to go three and zero, but that Islanders game is haunting me. You know what? I'm gonna go two zero and one. Son of a gun! And I'm gonna say, this is not part of the prediction, but I have a feeling that. The Islanders game is one of the two wins. And then shots for the three games, I'll go, or goals, sorry, goals for the three games, I'll go with, ooh, I'll go with, ooh, tough one, tough one, or two home games, I'll go with 10. Okay, I'm going to go 3 and out. I'm concerned. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm concerned for the Detroit game only because it's an early day game on weekends. I just I know the Rangers haven't even been terrible with them this year, but I just I I'm never like historically it feels like we suck at them. Exactly. And it's Detroit. Yeah. So I really should have went two and one there. Um, but regardless, I'm gonna go three and oh. And for goals, I'm going to go with the Rangers. You picked 10. So do I want to go the over or the under? I'll go the under. I'll go nine. I'll go All right. nine. All right. Cool. Cool. Okay. So one last thing we got to talk about is the Rangers rain, uh, Jersey history of 53. Now There's three players. Is there any that is during my lifetime? All three were during your lifetime during your Rangers fandom. Yeah. I would say one. One. He was, he was included in the Rick Nash trade. His dad played for the Rangers too. I here's the thing: I got thrown off for a second because I thought of Tim Erickson, but I'm like, no, we traded him in that Rick Nash trade, and I know Erickson wasn't his number. It just uh, he was the first guy to pop yes, in my he head. Was. It's, it's Tim Erickson. Oh, it's Tim Erickson. Tim Erickson. Yes. Oh shit. Okay. Wow. 
Tim Erickson was involved in a Rick Nash trade in 2012. Yeah. No, I know. I didn't realize he was the number 53. Yeah. Wow. Two more. That, I'm really impressed with that one with myself. Um, the first one only played one game. Was the second one prominent? And by the way, I'm not looking at the live stream chat right now, so I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. I'd like to keep that in mind. Yeah, the second one, uh, the, the people that were that were following the Rangers before before the 2012 season should should recognize this name. Yes, I'd imagine uh, it's a defenseman. The first one was uh, the first one was Lane Ulmer in 0304. Don't tell me the sec- don't tell me the second one yet. I'm trying to see if I can get it. Was defenseman. the second defenseman yeah. yeah defenseman um and we traded for him at the deadline in 09 we traded N- uh, nigel dawes dimitri kalinin and peter pruka to the arizona coyotes for this guy oh, now you lost me i don't know why but whenever i think of like older defensemen i think of michael roosevelt right away he was also involved in a coyotes trade yeah we traded him for volsky yeah all right who, who was it i don't know Derek Morris. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, Derek. yeah. That is that the is that the same Derek Morris? Didn't he wasn't he the one or am I thinking of a different defenseman? Maybe I'm thinking of a Norris. I remember there was a Arizona Coyotes defenseman that scored a playoff goal on Jonathan Quick from like the halfway mark in their series in like 2012. I'm forgetting what that well, defenseman's well, name he, was. He had two goals in the playoffs that year. Okay. Could be him. Yeah, we we traded for him, uh, and then he signed with the Boston Bruins, and then the Bruins traded him back to the Coyotes, where he and uh, finished finished out his career. Okay, interesting. I'm I'm so as soon as you said Rick Nash, I just thought Tim Erickson, like first man to pop in my mind out of out of anyone. Thing, interesting thing about Derek Morris: the first time he was traded was in October 2002. He was traded for Chris Drury. Wow. What do you look at that? Who would have thought? Chris Drury and Stefan Yelly to the Calgary Flames for Dean Mac- uh, Dean McCammond, Derek Morris, and Jeff Shantz. October wow. 1st, 2002. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. Um, Steven, do you have any final uh, remarks before we get out of this one? Um, I'm just happy we're back in the playoffs. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs, yes. Playoffs. Rangers playoffs. Are back. Let's You're talking about playoffs. Hopefully, next time we talk, Chris Kreider has a couple more goals. Because why wouldn't he? Right. Either way, we really appreciate everyone watching, listening. This was Rangers Review episode fifty-three. Stay tuned. As long as nothing happens with our schedules, we should be back right around a week or so from now, next Friday, after a couple more games for the New York Rangers. But until then, I hope everyone has a great next week, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.